Grace and peace are yours in abundance in your knowledge of God and your Savior, Jesus Christ. Today we look at the first word of our Lord from the cross, but the story begins long before. Come with me. Back to the beginning. Adam and Eve become parents of two sons. When the first one, Cain, is born, Mother Eve rejoices, I have acquired a man, the Lord. She's persuaded that God's promise is already coming true. She believes that she may have given birth to the crusher of the serpent's head as promised in Eden. Adam can't be all that disappointed with his firstborn son either. Cain grows up to be a farmer, a tiller of the ground, just like dear old dad. Abel is the second son of Adam, a fine boy in his own right. Rather than a tiller of the ground, Abel grows up to be a keeper of sheep. The world's first shepherd has arrived. In the course of time, the sons of Adam both offer sacrifices to God. God accepts Abel's sacrifice and respects it because Abel makes the sacrifice in thanksgiving by faith, as we learn in Hebrews chapter 11. However, God rejects Cain's offering. Cain does not make the sacrifice in faith, and this leaves Cain furious and jealous and tempted. Cain has words with his brother Abel, words that evidently are kind enough to lure his brother out into the field, and there, in plain language, Cain kills his brother. The first murder. The first one to die because of sin is a shepherd who makes a pleasing sacrifice to God. Hmm. And now the cover-up begins. The Lord inquires of Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And Cain actually responds, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Can you believe it? I do not know. It's a pathetic attempt to hide sin because both Cain and the Lord know he's lying. God doesn't come along and ask Cain where his brother is because he doesn't know. He's giving Cain the opportunity to confess. But there is no confession to be heard. Instead, I don't know. It's a blatant lie. He knows where his brother is. And whether he admits it or not, there are still consequences. The Lord says, 
What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and wanderer you shall be on the earth. Cain poured Abel's blood into the ground. The ground will no longer cooperate with its tiller. That's part of the curse. And Cain's response to all this is very telling. He says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. He protests the consequence. Did you notice he does not protest his innocence? I do not know doesn't last very long before the Lord. He now speaks the truth. His sin and his punishment are more than he can bear. So what does the Lord do? Well, along with the consequences, he speaks words of kindness. He promises protection for Cain as long as he lives. More than that, he's already promised a Savior to Cain's parents, and that Savior is for him too. Cain cannot bear his sin and punishment. He's right. So the Son of God will bear his sin and accept the punishment even for Cain. You see, when the Lord confronts sin, He doesn't say, I don't know. He calls sin what it is in His law. And He promises repentance for the sinner in His Gospel. A similar course of events takes place centuries later. This time, it's a whole mob of kings on a murderous mission. As they lead another Abel into the countryside, there's no kind persuasion, just shouts of crucify him. And in some ways, this Abel has much in common with the murdered brother of Genesis 4. He's a shepherd, in fact, the good shepherd who tends to the sheep of God. And like the Abel of old, he makes a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. That sacrifice is at hand. It's happening. But of course, in other ways, he's different from Abel. He's not just another sinful mortal facing death sooner or later. He's the sinless Son of God. When Abel's blood was spilled to the ground, it cried out when Christ's blood is shed, the ground shakes. And as this Abel is hoisted into the air for this far more excruciating death, he speaks, and his first words are astonishing. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. With those words, it's clear. This isn't just a murder. It's a sacrifice. And the attendants are caught in a confusing 
who's who. The priest is the sacrifice. The shepherd is the lamb. The sheep are the canes below the cross. And Abel on the cross becomes Cain. Got it? I'll do it a little more slowly. In the Old Testament, the priests offered sacrifices. That was their job. And as the priests offered sacrifices, they would explain to the crowd what they were doing. The priest does the same as he makes the sacrifice here, saying, Father, forgive them. This is for forgiveness. He announces this astonishing truth. He is there on that cross voluntarily. The Good Shepherd is laying down His life for the sheep. And the sheep are those canes gathered below. He's winning salvation for those who are putting Him on the cross. He's doing it by taking their place He is suffering God's wrath for their sins so that they might be forgiven. This Abel becomes Cain to save his brother. He takes Cain's place and suffers God's punishment for murder and for every other sin you could possibly name in the hope that sinners repent and believe in Him. And so, He tells them what is going on as they nail Him to the cross. Father, forgive them, for they do not know. They do not know what they do. One of the sinner's favorite phrases is, I don't know. Just like Cain, spoken in denial that the sin ever happened, trying to avoid responsibility. But have you noticed that the Lord does not deal in uncertainties? His Word is sure. His law calls sin, sin. Unintentional sins are still sin. Sins we got away with are still sin. Sins we don't even realize we committed are still sin. He tells us this for a purpose so that we might realize our need for a Savior. And when we reach that point where we say, not, I don't know, but I do, He points us to that Savior on the cross who utters these certain words, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Knowing your sins, your sinfulness, and mine, Jesus has died for you and me. He has taken the punishment, all of it, 
upon himself so that you might be given holiness, so that you might be given grace. Have you committed intentional sin? It's not too late. Repent and be forgiven. Have you faked ignorance to excuse your transgression? Jesus sacrifices himself for this too. To grant you genuine grace. Are there things that you have done that to this day you're not exactly sure if they were right or wrong? Confess your sinfulness. Trust in your Savior. And even though you may never be sure if a specific action was right or wrong, good or bad, you can be sure of this. You are forgiven of all your sins. His promises are true. The only way that you cannot be saved is to cling to your sin and refuse the forgiveness He would give. And this is why Jesus' first sermon from the cross calls out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. For His sake, you are forgiven of all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.